Good morning, everyone, and welcome to another adventure at Campfire Adventures Podcast. The reason I'm saying good morning is because this is the first time we're actually filming an episode in the morning. So I, of course, have my robe on, a cup of coffee. I have my audience here, so thank you for being here, audience. That's my audience. (laughs) And then to everyone listening in podcast line, of course, we have the fire started, and I have a pretty cool story I'm excited to tell you about today. So let's get into it. Okay, so the story I have for you today was actually inspired by a friend of mine. I Well, he's actually my barber. So I went to get a fresh cut and a beard trim, and we were talking about the podcast, and I was telling him how I come up with different stories to talk about at least, you know, every week or whatever. And he had mentioned that he had heard a story of a barber who was actually up to Maleficent acts in his barber shop, and he was trying to tell me the story that he had heard from somebody else. It was a story from a story from a story. And eventually, um, it got me thinking that this should be an episode on the podcast. So I looked it up, and the person he was talking about was none other than Sweeney Todd. Now, there have been books, poems, plays, movies written about this character. But did you ever wonder whether this was a real or fake person? Well, I've done some research, and from what I can tell, he was real. And so I'd like to take today's episode to tell you a little bit about the story of Sweeney Todd and then let you decide what you think. So Sweeney Todd, known as the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, because that's where he had his um, most famous barbershop, was on Fleet Street in London, was born on October 26, 1756, in the town called Brickling. Now, I'm not from London, just like I wasn't from the East Coast of America, but I've done some research and I found out that around the time of the 1700s, Brick Lane was known as a poverty-stricken town with smells that apparently were so awful. It's kind of like living in the slums of, like, Beverly Hills. (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, it's completely opposite of Beverly Hills. It was like a poverty, like I said, poverty stricken town. You know, the people were less than desirable to be around. And it was at the east end of London. Okay, so he was born to a mother named Elizabeth, who was a little bit younger than 20 when she had had him. And she made a living as by whittling silk. And as a child, Sweeney Todd um, was described as despising his mother because she treated him more like a pet rather than a child. And um, he kind of felt like because he grew up so poor like you know his parents uh, and i'm going to talk about his father in a little bit weren't the wealthiest people in the world and they didn't live in the best neighborhood in town and so he just kind of felt like he always deserved more which a child always deserves you know a good quality life and so he felt like he deserved more so he he built up a lot of resentment towards his mother because she was more I guess playful in a way of a pet rather than actually a child and so she couldn't make the richest living and he despised her for it and then his father Samuel 
worked as a silk weaver and he barely made a living with that like he made more than the mom but not that much more and on top of that he was the town lush from where they lived so he spent a lot of their money on going from pub to pub to pub and on top of that he actually used to beat his wife and young sweeney todd so growing up with them he spent a long time of his life just in torment and misery and unhappiness and he kind of gravitated towards a desire for liking um, torture instruments there was actually a few museums that he would be able to go visit where he'd see different torture devices and just kind of get fascinated with the history of like war and killing and stuff like that which would be you know known now as a psychological link to um Serial killing shenanigans? Yeah, serial killing shenanigans. I was like, what's my line? Can anyone get my line? He kind of goes along his life all the way up to the age of 12. And in 1768, both of his parents during one of the coldest winters of the time had disappeared without a trace. No one knew exactly what happened to them. All they knew is that they didn't survive that winter. But who did survive was Sweeney Todd. So he was orphaned at a very young age. And... um, he got uh, an apprenticeship with a man named John Crook. And under this man's guidance, he learned a lot about like quality of razors, knives, and scissors because John Crook actually was a specialist in creating these different items. Like he, he made the best known razors in like all the land. And so he was under his guidance up until the year that he was arrested for petty theft of stealing someone's pocket watch, allegedly, because I don't know if that's, you know, 100% true, but that's what the story says. So at the age of 14, just two years after his parents had died, Sweeney Todd was imprisoned in Newgate Prison. And Newgate Prison was one of the biggest prisons around that time. And they actually were known for one specific thing. It was the hanging of men and women And actually within the period of just a hundred years from, um, I think it was 17, like 50 to like 1850, 1860, whatever, they killed over a thousand different people by hanging. So he was in a prison at the age of 14 that had a very dank, musky, like less than desirable situation that you'd want to be around. He's around all these hard on criminals that are going to be hung, right? So... During his time there, he had been beaten numerous times. He was left for dead a couple times. But at the same time that all that was happening, he was hired as an apprentice again for the prison barber. And the prison's barber's name was Elmer Plummer. And Elmer Plummer was pretty good at his craft. So he taught Sweeney Todd everything he knew about, you know, cutting hair, doing beard trims, anything that you had to do, you know, get fresh and clean. A lot of these people actually were headed to be hung oh. so <laughs> dressing the dead so basically yeah getting them ready for the next steps in their life but also plumber was a very skilled at pickpocketing so he taught young i guess teenage sweeney todd the the art of barbering but at the same time simultaneously stealing from them and that actually led to a lot of the beatings that he had endured <laughs> well you know you're, you're stealing from criminals so i mean <laughs> Not that stealing from anyone is okay, but these people in general... Probably not the best idea. I wouldn't want to do it. I mean, I wouldn't want to do it anyway, but he does. And so it, it took about five years for him to actually get through being imprisoned. And after that five years, at the age of 19, 
he kind of just continued down this path of violence. He was very angry. Now with the skills of barbering and, you know, theft, he decided that he was going to turn this into a career. So he started his a string of different barber shops. As that string continued, his journey into murder was almost that much more solidified. And it was in 1784 where Sweeney Todd was linked to his first murder. The Daily Mail, which was a big newsprinting around the time, had an article that linked Sweeney Todd to the death of an unknown man. And basically the person was murdered by having the straight edge of a razor pull his mouth from ear to ear. Ooh. Yes. And so it wasn't until later on when you know, everything else was found out about what Sweeney Todd was doing, that he actually was quoted as saying, my first son was a young gent of Hyde Park Corner. Slit him from ear to ear, I did. And he wasn't even remorseful about it, you know? like it Sounds he, like he was boasting about it. Yeah, so this was the first in many. Sweeney Todd actually opened up a string of barbershops, like I said, and it wasn't until he opened up a barbershop on Fleet Street, which would become known as his most famous barbershop, and also the location of where most of his murders had taken place. On Fleet Street, um, which I said was his most famous barbershop, it was a location that was kind of dank. It had a lot of freakishly styled people, really poor community. And at the time, like of the 1780s, 1790s, the police force was a relatively new idea. So they didn't really have like investigators set up they didn't have people patrolling the town and on top of that it was a bad neighborhood to be around anyway so i mean you weren't exactly like scared that they were going to come find you tomorrow so this was kind of the perfect location for him to be at because there was people that no one was concerned with missing anyway his malfeasance kind of started um in the perfect location and at the perfect time and the killing spree would commence throughout the years the shop that he had had was broken up, from what I found, into three different sections. There was an upper section, which is where he lived, and then below, which had the street front area, is where the shop was, so you can kind of see into the shop. And the shop was quoted as having a sign that said, easy shavings for a penny. Underneath the shop was the basement, and that basement was actually connected to, I don't know if catacombs is the right word, but like a labyrinth of different tunnels underneath that kind of linked all the buildings together within that neighborhood. And his shop itself was connected to um, a church and then to a bakery shop. So he had access if he got into his basement and into the, you know, the labyrinth to get through each and every one of the spots and no one would know, you know? So, I mean, in terms of real estate, pretty good real estate, you know, but for the person that was owning it, a very good real estate. So, enough about the building now back to his actual job he was actually quoted as being a really good barber you know in the time of the 1700s a barber actually wasn't just a barber they were actually a semi-professional medical practitioner so if you had a toothache if you had a growth or something like a stitch that you needed to be done you wouldn't necessarily go to the hospital I mean, I guess you could if you wanted to, but you can also just stop off at your local barber. And that's actually what that pole, the red and white pole spinning around, it symbolizes like that they do both kind of thing. Really? Yeah. So Sweeney Todd would perform different medical procedures on people and he would actually put the specimens, whether that was 
teeth or blood or blah 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 something to do with his operation he put them in little jars and he kind of decorated his storefront with that <laughs> so people would say like you know obviously like i said the neighborhood wasn't the best neighborhood but looking into a shop you'd kind of almost be horrified at first of all you know looking at the dinginess of it all but also the decorations that kind of surrounded it i guess i mean if you were looking for a doctor and you saw that stuff maybe you'd be like oh he's pretty qualified at the same time so um it was in 1785 that sweeney todd was linked to his second murder which was a young man and this murder was interesting because people actually um saw this man talking to a person dressed as a barber right and it seemed like they were having an altercation where they weren't agreeing on something or just having some kind of argument. And um, it was reported that they saw the person dressed as a barber. They didn't necessarily name it as Sweeney Todd, but they saw the person dressed as a barber, pull out a razor, and then cut the person's throat. And along with that, there were four more people linked to Sweeney Todd and his murders. Um, an apprentice that he had, a crook that tried to steal from him, a pawnbroker that he tried to sell an important piece of jewelry to, and then even an investment banker. All these people somehow were related with walking into his shop, but never coming back outside. He kind of got away with a lot because people couldn't find the bodies, you know, like they couldn't. And, and like I said, the police force wasn't, you know, as they are skilled in today's world, but, you know, they're there. They couldn't find the bodies and they couldn't necessarily blame it on him. And part of that was because of the chair that he used in his shop. It was a chair that, so wood chair, wooden chair, that was on top of these floor pa uh, panels. And if he moved it a certain way, he can like flip the chair. But on the, on the bottom side of that wood panel would be a second chair. So it just kind of replaced, replace it. It'd be like a quick movement. And so the person who was sitting in the chair would flip down into the basement, hopefully breaking their neck. But if not, Sweeney Todd had access to get down there quickly and finish the job. Actually, that's where I found a lot of um, discrepancies with the research was some people said that he'd cut the throat first and then slide them under. And some people said that he'd slide them under first and then the fall might break their necks, might not. And if not, they'll be disoriented, disoriented enough for him to get down there and finish the job. So that's one way that would help him get away with his crimes. At the same time that he's actually killing these victims, he's also robbing them, remember? So he's taking their gold, he's taking their valuables, and he's putting them, you know, to, to use for himself, to live the life that he's always kind of hoped and expected that he'd have. So back to the chair. It was actually reported in 1798. Um, there was a gentleman named Thomas Shadwell, and he had paid a visit to... Um, Sweeney Todd's shop, but never made it up. He was killed and robbed. But his son had um, reportedly seen the chair flip kind of thing. He's the only one to actually be able to report that he's seen the chair in action, right? Oh. During the murder of his dad. I don't know if Sweeney Todd, like, saw the son. I actually don't know how that layout would have taken place. And by the way, remember, 1700. So I don't know how I would know. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody seems to know. They only know that he was the one person that actually reported the chair doing its job. And so he reported it to the police, but nothing really came of it. And I think at this time, people were kind of getting suspicious of what was going on. But again, couldn't pin it on one person in particular. So Sweeney Todd continued his murder spree. His system of disposing of the bodies actually ended up needing a more efficient solution because... 
he he could go there and hack them up all he wanted, but like, and and no one was gonna find them. But he needed a better way to get rid of them so he can increase the supply to the demand that he had for this murder, you know, this murderous spirit. So he actually had met and fell in love with the owner of the bakery shop that I mentioned that he could connect to under those catacombs labyrinth um, under his building. So he met her. Her name was Marjorie Lovett. And they kind of just fell in love right away. And she didn't really care that he did what he did. She still loved him anyway. I didn't find if it was her plan or his plan, you know, to make the pies. But let me explain that, the pies. So she had a pie shop. And it actually wasn't that successful. It was on the verge, I think, almost of closing down. And so he had come to her and he had told her what he was doing. And she was in love with him. So she's like, why don't we just put the human remains, like the skin, the meats, the organs, into pies and then sell them? And then he had the idea of just hiding the bones into the like into like a vault, a vault that they had in the church where they put bodies. He would hide the bones there, so that way they'd blend in and no one would know. And actually, the new pies that she was selling to people were doing so well <laughs> that her business became successful and people would like line up out the door to go get one of Mrs. Lovett's pies. I wonder how they tasted. That's awkward. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, by the way, we're eating some mincemeat pie right now oh, while we're filming today's episode. My favorite. Um, actually, they make that with berries and stuff now. So anyway, sorry, back to the story. <laughs> So this continued, you know, it, it was the perfect system, you know, flip the chair, hack up the body, get the meat supply over to Miss Lovett, and then hide the body in the church. And who would be the wiser? I mean, nobody would. But here's the thing, and I think people who actually commit murders maybe forget this. You're going to get caught somehow, some way, at some time, someone's going to figure out what you're doing. And... Okay, maybe some people get away with it. <laughs> but for the purpose of this story and for Sweeney Todd and his life, he didn't. So people at the church actually report that they used to smell like rancid smells arising from the, the basement up. Okay. So the church reported it to officer, to an officer named Sir Richard Blunt. And uh, he had actually come to the church and he, he smelled the smell himself and then in his mind had connected it. He's like, okay, so all of a sudden, you know, okay, a church has bodies, they have burials, but they do, I'm sure, a proper burial. And I don't know exactly at the time how things happened around there, but they wouldn't be smelling this rotting smell of decay. Right. Like, it's so fresh. And so he started kind of piecing it together because he knew Sweeney Todd's shop was right next door. And he's like, well, that's weird. You know, uh, this guy, blinked to murders, hasn't been, you know, accused of murders, actually. But... Maybe there's something more to what's going on here. So he knew the smell was rising up from the bottom of the basement. He walked into the basement and he found the vault, you know, where they put the bodies and stuff like that. And he started to see remains, like new, freshly hacked up, like bones, you know. And he's like, well, that's weird. <laughs> uh, that shouldn't be there. And, <laughs> and he walked out. I'm sorry, we're laughing. Um, he walks out and he could actually see the footprints that lead from Sweeney Todd's shop to Mrs. Lovett's pie shop. And he starts linking together like, okay, so somehow she's connected. I just don't know how, right? I think he started just putting it together like pies. Why would he walk over there? You know, 
it maybe there's something else to it, right? So, in 1801, Officer Blunt decided that he was going to put all his attention on Sweeney Todd's shop. He had his people watching his shop almost 24-7. You know, he wanted eyes on it. He wanted to see what Sweeney Todd was doing. He wanted to see if anyone was going missing. And at the time, around that time, they didn't notice anyone was missing, you know. So Officer Blunt actually would go in there and frequent Todd's barber shop um, to get a cut for himself. But he would never go alone. I mean, I wouldn't go alone. And now I don't know that I would ever want to go alone, you know. <laughs> so he went there, went to go snoop around at the same time, kind of looking around like what's going on in the shop. And I mean, uh, besides it being a creepy shop, you know, he couldn't really pin anything on him yet. So they decided that they would focus their attention on Miss Lovett. And with the footsteps leading to her house, I think that they felt that they had enough to go and confront her about it. And when they confronted her, she kind of admitted to everything. She would take the meat, like, because they had asked, like, what, why is he coming to your shop? And she admitted, like, okay, so he brings the meat to me, and then I turn them into pies and sell them. I could only imagine the horror on his face when she said, the people are in the pies, you know? And so they take her into custody, and I don't think that Sweeney Todd knew exactly what had happened. I, I'm not sure if he didn't go check on her. I'm not sure if he didn't do a delivery that day. Um, but while he was away from his shop, the officers actually went into the shop and kind of started inspecting, snooping around, looking around. So that's why you got to be careful. You never know who can go into your house. I know they need warrants nowadays, but you never know. So he walks into the shop and they start finding like gold watches. They start finding you know, gold. They start finding all this stuff that you wouldn't expect to find in a barber shop. And they look around more and more and more, and they find enough clothes for over a hundred people, right? And they're all different clothes, mismatch this, mismatch that, and they feel like they have enough. So they take Sweeney Todd into custody, and they start their investigation and trying to piece together exactly what's going on. As the officers are starting to finalize their their story of how the events took place and who did what within. The, I guess the murdering spree of both Miss Lovett and Mr. Todd. Miss um, Lovett decides that she's going to take her own life while waiting in prison because she didn't want, you know, whatever torment or whatever verdict was going to be delivered to take, you know, to take her life. So she decided that she would take her own life and Sweeney Todd still remained in prison waiting his sentence. He actually was put into the same prison that he was put into as a young boy at the age of 14. So he's sitting in the prison and the town is in an uproar. And around this time, journalism and printing kind of took off, at least from what I found. I might be wrong, but um, the town itself of where Fleet Street was, was a super big journalism town. So every, words going everywhere. People are like, whoa, what the heck? You mean the demon barber? The, there's a really that's a real person like he's killing people. What's going on? I've been looking for Mr. Jenkins for I don't know how long. And <laughs> And now I kind of know where he went, you know, like maybe we could piece the story together. So everyone's in an uproar trying to figure out exactly what happened. You know, like, is is he really a killer? Did he really kill over 150 people? Like, is that possible? It's a big number. But remember, he's been at this for years. We're like, this is 1802. He started killing, I think, in 1784. So he's been at this for 
almost 20 years, if not longer. I mean, and that was just, in 1784 was the first reported killing that he did. True. It wasn't even, it, it, you know, and we don't even know what happened to his parents, remember? Like, yeah. they just disappeared. So, they're getting this story together, and he's, as far as I could have, as far as I found, like, not even concerned, like, wow. with anything. The nail in the coffin for the Sweeney Todd case was that they were able to prove that he had connections to the death of a man named Francis Thornhill. Francis Thornhill was a man who was given a task of delivering a necklace worth $20,000. Now, along his delivery, he thought, maybe I should get a haircut real quick. So he stopped in a Sweeney Todd shop and was killed. Never seen again, disappeared completely, and the necklace disappeared as well. Now, here's where the story kind of gets a little um, mixed up because some people say what I said, where he was caught because the detective smelt the body, you know, the church smelt the bodies, then the detective came in and inspected and found it. And some people claim that Sweeney Todd took this $20,000 necklace and went to go pawn it. And then the pawn shop broker recognized the necklace and then reported it to the police. So it could be either one of those stories, but remember the story's old. It's from the 1700s, so facts are gonna get distorted, yeah, and people are gonna have different versions of the story. But however it came to pass, Sweeney Todd was caught for the murders that he had committed. So Francis Thornhill's body was actually um, identified by a surgeon that had done a surgery on him years prior to his death. And so that was their ace in the hole. They were like, we know that he went into that shop because we found the remains below in the church catacombs and were able, you know, to link that he had actually killed this person. Right. So it took, I mean, once they, um, once they had recognized the body, once they had pieced together what Sweeney Todd had did in connection with Marjorie Lovett, um, it took the jury all of maybe five minutes, if not less, to convict him as guilty, right? And I guess it would only be befitting that they had, of course, another hanging. Because well, <laughs> around this time, they were doing hanging. I think, remember, I told you they did a thousand hangings? Yeah. So they had hung Sweeney Todd, and he had died at the age of 46. So young. His life was cut so short just like his victims. <laughs> so that is the story of who Sweeney Todd was. And I I guess people would want to see like a death certificate or something like that. But it's hard to bring... I, there are tons of records that they have saved over time. You know, and unfortunately I couldn't find anywhere that they actually have a death certificate for him. Oh, that would be cool to see though. I tried to find it. But they do have articles... Um, locked away with the stories like like I said the Daily Mail was a big newsprinting at the time so according to them they actually have articles on the story of Sweeney Todd so whether he's real or fake I, I guess that could still be up to you I mean you could just think he's a member of the movie but all movies are kind of inspired by something and whether it's just a story that kind of makes it in essence somewhat true you know because the story had to come from somewhere it had to be about somebody and it had to have some type of slither of truth to become what it was today. So, in my opinion, it's a true story. Am I going to be scared when I go see my barber? I mean, yes. <laughs> if he's listening to this, please don't bring me a slice of pie. I will not trust it. But that is a story that we have for you today on Campfire Adventures podcast. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I enjoyed learning more and more about it. 
There is a movie on Sweeney Todd, so go ahead and watch it. My brother watched it. I didn't watch it. Um, he gives it two thumbs up. Okay, a thumb and a half up. <laughs> and um, as always, I appreciate you listening. If you've listened to all of them so far, you're the best. If you haven't, you still have time. Go back into Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Check us out on our website, www.campfireadventurespodcast.com. And you can get all caught up on each and every episode. But I appreciate you. I hope that you heard some different sounds happening during our morning recording. But uh, more adventures to come and more stories to come. Have a good night or a good day. Have a good day. (laughs) Bye.